coming up on golf today. Changes coming to the FedEx Cup standings involving players suspended from the PGA Tour. We have the news, we have the names, and more on what the playoffs will look like in 2022. And in its short history, the Rocket Mortgage Classic has been kind to the first-time winner who has the goods to get it done in Detroit Rock City, who might kiss the trophy on Sunday. It's all ahead right here on Golf Today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Welcome to Golf Today on a Tuesday. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. We've consumed a lot of great golf over this summer, but it's been a busy summer. A lot of turbulence and strife as well, especially with the creation and function of the Live Golf Tour. There have been many questions surrounding how the FedEx Cup standings, for example, would be affected. And today, Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour and the tour made a move to create some clarity. With two weeks left until the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs, Jay Monahan and the Tour Policy Board have approved the creation of a secondary points list, which will remove from the FedEx Cup standings all suspended players, in other words, live players who have not resigned their Tour memberships. The commissioner says the eligibility points list will ensure that suspended members do not negatively impact other players' tournament eligibility, positioning on the priority rankings or eligibility to compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Here's an overview of these changes. Players who have participated in live golf events will not be eligible to compete in this year's FedEx Cup playoffs and will not be included in the new eligibility points list. Those suspended players will also not be eligible for this year's President's Cup. The suspended players will still be awarded bonus money based on their final position on the official FedEx Cup points list. There are currently eight players who have competed in live golf events and are still ranked inside the top 125 of the FedEx Cup standings. And here they are, Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, Hudson Swafford, Matthew Wolf, Abraham Anser, Carlos Ortiz, Brooks Kepka, and Pat Perez. Now there are three additional players in the top 135 committed to play in the upcoming live golf event, which would make them ineligible for the FedEx Cup playoffs as well. Jason Kokrak, Charles Howe III, and Paul Casey. So with that, we welcome in Rex Hoggett. Rex, how did we end up here? Well, this goes back really a couple of weeks now, Damon. This has been a hot topic on tour simply because players wanted to know where they were going to land. As a matter of fact, Commissioner Jay Monahan had a Q&A just last week with players. He had two separate sessions trying to answer as many questions as they could, and they were moving in this direction all along. The concept is essentially kind of the same way they handle when an amateur makes the cut in a PGA Tour event. They're still allowed to play the weekend, they're still allowed to play in the event, but they're clearly not getting paid. So when it comes to purse distribution, they're simply removed, removed from that list. Now, this is important for a couple of different reasons, I and mean, there's certainly a legal component of this. You mentioned Taylor Gooch. He's number 20 right now on the FedEx Cup points list, and he will clearly finish inside the top 125 at the end of the season. and at the end of the playoffs. The tour had to find a way to allow Taylor Gooch and these other players to reap the benefits of the points that they earned before they were suspended. This allows them to do that. Now, Taylor and the rest of the players are going to drop very, very quickly because they're not going to earn any more points, but it does allow them to make the distinction between those players who were suspended because they played the live events and those players who were not. And again, this is sort of a legal distinction that they've been working on for quite a while. 
and it doesn't stop at the top 125. I know that's where we're going to focus the next two weeks because of the start of the playoffs. But I had one player call me this morning who's hovering right around just outside the top 200 number. Those players get inside. If you finish inside the top 200, they get to advance to the Corn Ferry Tour final. So it kind of impacts every corner of PGA Tour life. A lot of trickle-down effects from this, as you mentioned, Rex. What happens next? It's probably going to be fairly popular with PGA Tour members, unpopular with live players, but what do you see as being the next steps in this drama? Eamon, I think you and I have been the same mindset when it comes to this, that if this is heading for some sort of legal battle, and we know that's going to be the case. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot of rumors and a lot of talk on tour the last really two weeks that there'll be the same sort of court battle as far as trying to get an injunction. We saw this earlier this month when some players in a British court were granted the injunction to be able to play in the Scottish Open, which was a co-sanctioned event. And I'm hearing there's going to be a very, very similar court battle coming up maybe in the next week or two, trying to get some of these players who are currently outside of that. They're suspended, but they earned enough points to get into the playoffs. They're going to probably press the issue and try to participate in the playoffs. From your reporting, Rex, do you think some of these suspended players are, are ready to fight this and say, you know what, they want not just that season-long bonus money, but they want to try to compete in the playoffs for that $75 million playoff purse? I think so. Again, talking with people inside the game, talking with players who've gone to live, we have seen a distinction between those players who've resigned their PGA Tour membership and those who have elected not to. It's clear that those who have elected not to have done so for a reason. They want to participate in the playoffs. They want to be part of these bonus structures. There's also a very, very lucrative retirement program involved here. And they don't feel like just walking away and turning their back. And I think it's inevitable that we end up in some sort of battle over these players' status. Rex Hager reporting on this ever-evolving story involving the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Series. So how does this affect the standings? Let's take a look at the current FedEx Cup bubble for the top 125. For example, you see Pat Perez at 121, not eligible to compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Let's take a look at the eligibility points list. You'll see the names, and there's some movement here. For example, Webb Simpson, 125 now, but he would essentially move up in this eligibility points list. For example, Paul Casey at 127 expected to compete in the next Live Golf event, so he would not, of course, be eligible to compete for the FedEx Cup playoffs. With that, we welcome in George Savarikas from the Rocket Mortgage Classic. George, I know you spoke with some of those players who will be affected by the new eligibility points list. Yeah, Damon, it's been a while since the PGA Tour had two separate lists. If you recall, five, six years ago, it used to be a staple with the advent of the FedEx Cup playoffs. You'd have the money list as well as the FedEx Cup points list to determine the 125 and which guys were retaining their uh, playing membership for or privileges in full for the PGA Tour. Now a little different, obviously, with the Live Golf guys being removed from what they're going to allow as far as players that can participate in postseason play. So a number of guys, they're counting the spots. They added it. Eight right now, obviously pending how many players tee it up at this week in the Live Golf event. So uh, I talked with a number of guys who are on this new bubble to get their reaction to the news. I think it's some good news to wake up to, knowing that I'm moving up a few more spots in the FedEx. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to really finish 125 on that list. I'd like to, you know, finish 125 or higher on the, uh, the normal FedEx list. I don't want, uh, you know, some other guys going to play a different tour to really affect me that much so um, I'd like to just take care of it myself but it is some good news and uh, yeah it's nice to wake up to. 
I guess, independent of your current situation, because with the shift, you, you're considered one of the, the bubble guys. Do you think it was the right move by the PGA Tour to create this secondary points list? I think they had to, yeah. I think everyone was kind of asking the questions and wondering who was coming off, when they were coming off, and whatnot. So I think it was the right move. And, uh, yeah, hopefully after this week I'm not a bubble boy anymore. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I just think a lot of guys, um, there's been a lot of confusion with, obviously, I think there were seven guys that resigned the membership that came straight out of the FedEx Cup standings. Um, and then there was a lot of questions based on the other guys, what, what was going to happen with them. But the tour and the, 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 the player board have, have made the choice to obviously um, allow um, extra spots in the FedEx Cup, like a new points list, which is, I think it's, I think it's the right decision. And why do you think it's the right decision? Well, I mean... Them guys have decided that they want to play a different tour, which that's fine for me. I mean, if you want to go elsewhere, then that's great. But you can't have the best of both worlds. You know, I think I think we've, I think everybody kind of knew this was coming. Um, it's nice to see the points list. Um, you know, I still got some work to do. I think with the points list that moves me to 122. So, you know, if the season were to end today, I'd be in good shape. But uh, there's still a couple tournaments left, so I gotta keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I've been ha I've had I have some momentum, so which is great, and I love this place. I love this golf course and, and this tournament. They they do such a great job here, and uh, obviously got a great field this week. So I'm looking forward to it. Was this the proper decision by the PJ Tour? Uh, uh, sure, yeah, um, I think so. I mean, this is this is what Jay and, and the tour has said from from kind of day one. Um, so uh, you know, kudos to him for for sticking to it, and obviously it rewards somebody like me who's. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still on the PGA Tour, and um, you know, it's it's given me even more of a chance to to keep my card. Um, just because I played so poorly to the first 20 tournaments of the year, um, you know, I'm I've put myself in a position to, to to really you know finish off the season strong. Justin feeling his game's trending in the right direction. Also caught up with Ricky Fowler, who was on the practice putting green earlier here at Detroit Golf Club. He was just saying he hadn't really seen how many spots were going to be impacted by the secondary points list, but like most of the guys shared the same summit, he'd rather just finish top 125 outright, not have to worry about where things stack up. And, Damon, it kind of reminds me, I'm a Midwest guy, there was no greater feeling as a kid than having a snow day. If you weren't fully prepared for a test or you were putting off something in the last minute, but if that didn't happen then you could kind of hose yourself. I think that's the mentality a lot of these guys have is they just want to take care of business, finish top 125 without having to worry about the secondary points list and how deep that will go. Yeah, some players went to bed last night outside the bubble, now find themselves inside the bubble. George Savarikas reporting for us in Detroit. And I tell you, Eamon, I love the question that uh, George asked Chesson Hadley. Did Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour get this right? Yeah, I don't think they had any other choice, Damon. This basically stops... PGA Tour members from being adversely impacted in any respect, whether it's FedEx Cup playoffs, access to other tournaments, priority rankings for next year, being adversely impacted by players who have chosen to violate tour regulations and go play and prioritise another tour. And as what we just heard from the players there, it's a popular decision among the players as well. I mean, nobody wants to be told that part of your salary is going to be paid to the guy who had the job before you who decided to quit and go work for a competitor. Right. It, it's not going to be an unpopular decision there. And ultimately, the, the PGA Tour is honouring its end of the bargain. It's paying these guys what they have earned, but is denying them the opportunity to continue 
doing what they're doing and earn more at the expense of other members who have remained on the PGA Tour. What about the flip side? If this does end up in court, can you see a scenario where some of these players who have decided to compete in the Live Golf Series that they want their cake and to eat it too? And they want to take from both baskets and say, you know what? I played on the PGA Tour this season. I want to sue or I want to pursue a way to compete for that $75 million playoff pool. Oh, sure. I mean, that's been the governing principle of Live all along is the idea that they could take guaranteed money mm. from, from the Saudis, use the apparatus that exists in the establishment of golf, and use other tours to keep up their world rankings to, to get in majors and basically work both sides of the street. And it's, it's a parasitic existence, but they don't have the shame not to do it. We saw Ian Poulter go to court to force his way into the field at the Scottish Open, among several other guys, I would be surprised if some players didn't do the same here because there's a lot more at stake in the next few weeks here on the PGA Tour than there was in, in just going to work your way into the field at the Scottish Open. So I'm fairly sure it's going to be litigated. And mm. that's not going to be a popular decision with other players as well. I mean, Poulter was booed on the first tee of the old course for a reason. Yeah. He was booed by fans who don't particularly appreciate what he was doing. The welcome in the locker room, you know, a lot of these guys have talked in very positive terms about, you know, they're still my friends. Right. Uh, we're not going to end that friendship. That's going to change because things are going to get a lot more hostile because these guys are coming for your money. It's not an abstract thing anymore for these players in the locker room, particularly at this time of the year and particularly in the playoffs. Because if you see a, a Taylor Gooch or a Pat Perez walking through the door to take up his tea time in the FedEx Championship in yeah. a couple of weeks, that's your money he's taken. Right. And they're not going to like that. Do you think that this ends here? Because the thought is with the live players who, who have been suspended and not competing, like this is a one-year story, that next year they're not going to be gaining FedEx Cup points during the year to even be eligible for the playoffs. Or, or do you see this story in some way kind of chasing us into 2023 as well? And beyond 2023. Mm. I mean, this is a, a band-aid solution to an issue that has been created this year by live golf players being suspended, resigning memberships, still being in the standings. Presumably, they're not going to be in the standings next year, in theory, because they're suspended. They're not going to be gaining FedEx Cup points unless they win them. If they're eligible to play in the majors, then they can accumulate some points, but probably not enough mm. to qualify for playoffs. But that's all dependent upon any court action that decides whether or not these guys still have a right to play on the PGA right. Tour and can be suspended. So everything kind of ultimately is feeding up to this great argument that will be litigated at some point as to whether or not the Tour has the wherewithal to mm. suspend and ban these guys. Well, speaking of the Live Golf Series, folks, this Friday, the third Live Golf event will actually begin at Trump Bedminster in New Jersey. And you know it by now, 48 players, 54 holes, shotgun start, little music, big purse. And according to reports, there will be changes coming to how some players will have to get onto the Live Tour going forward. Speaking of 2023, at the end of 2023, four players at the bottom of the Live Golf rankings will be relegated, and the top 24 will keep their status for the following year. Team captains and other select players may be exempt from relegation depending on their contracts and agreements with Live Golf, and then relegated players can requalify for Live Golf invitationals through the Live Promotions event. And then the relegated players can also compete in the Live Golf International Series, set to be co-sanctioned by Live Golf and the Asian Tour 
in 2023. Now, the sports fan that hears the relegation, that, that sounds like Premier League. That sounds like, you know, meritocracy. Is that what we're seeing here? Is Live Golf trying to adopt a, a page out of, you know, the, the beautiful game of, of soccer? No, it's just bastardizing yet another aspect of, of sports with this idea of relegations and promotions. This is really nothing dressed up as something. It's an effort to create the perception that there is a qualifying mechanism for the Live Golf Tour that gives it some kind of legitimacy. And it doesn't because, as, as you've just seen, that players, depending on their contracts with Live Golf, are exempt from being relegated. So if they decided they never wanted to relegate a Phil Mickelson, for example, he can go out there and shoot 85 every day and it doesn't matter. He's not going They're anywhere. They're not kicking him off the tour. They're, They're not kicking not. Bryson DeChambeau, big ticket item. They're not going to relegate him to, to non-existence, in your, in your opinion. No, this is, this is not anything about competition. This is right. just welfare for the wealthy. It's continuing what has been the principle of Live Golf from the start, which is guaranteed money for these guys. And you can't have guaranteed money if they relegate you. And that's just simply not going to happen. And it ought to give pause to guys who might actually think what their future is with Live Golf because they've said they're going to keep a 48-man tour and relegate people on and off of it. But if they have enough big stars in there, if they were to draw some more, well, then that's more guys whose contracts are going to state that they can't be relegated. So you're enticed to jump, and then you're in danger of being shoved uh, out of the Live Tour as well and wonder what your future is at that point. But this is... Uh, it's nothing that's credible in terms of competition. If you're exempt from being relegated or promoted based on the fact that your performance on the course has nothing to do with anything at all, it, you know, it's money. It's nothing more than that. It's not competition. And we can say what we want about 72 holes versus 54 holes. You know, shotgun start, music. It's not traditional to what we see on the PJ Tour. But that said, are you surprised at just how kind of prevalent live golf has become you know this was we didn't know what to call it three four months ago and now we're seeing you know a schedule we're seeing them trying to put together if not an actual functioning tour at least the the characteristics of the words you know promotion relegation competition are you surprised that they've at least you know they're trying to gain a foothold in professional golf and they've certainly succeeded in that i'm surprised more so that it happened so quickly during major championship season. Okay. I thought a lot of guys who were potentially going to be enticed were, would sit it out until after yeah. the Open Championship, after the FedEx Wait and playoffs. see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, but now there's, they're all overwhelmed by this FOMO now, the fear of missing out on the money. And a lot of them will continue to have that fear and potentially jump because of that. But it's, they, they still haven't really drawn players of, of that complete upper echelon of the game who are really competitively relevant. They haven't got a critical mass of those guys yet. They're still very much on the PGA Tour. And it, it doesn't surprise me that they've managed to get that much success because people are willing to listen if you're going to throw money at them. And they are throwing a lot of money uh, at these players. So they're always going to get traction when you have oil reserves behind you. But for players who value some kind of integrity to competition... Mm. then they don't have those guys yet because this is clearly not about competition. And today is another example of why it's not. It's purely about money. There's no competitive integrity to it at all. They're throwing money at players. They're throwing money at broadcasters. We've heard the commissioner of the LPGA Tour, Molly Marcus-Simon, say that she would take a phone call 
from the CEO of Live Golf, Greg Norman, the World Golf Hall of Fame member. Under any scenario, do you see, despite all the vituperative words we're hearing from both sides, the PGA Tour and the Live Golf series, that this could ultimately end up in some sort of, I don't say cohesion, but where they have to work together, where the PGA Tour has to give ground? Or is that, from the reporting you've done, completely not on the table, that, that the PGA Tour would not entertain any scenario of working with this upstart rival circuit. I think there's so much animosity that underpins all of the relationships of the heads of these various organizations yeah. at this point. You'd be shocked. That it would be difficult. Yeah. But it's also not impossible. I mean, stranger things have happened in this game. But that presumes that the Live Golf Tour is interested in coexisting as opposed to simply being a, a parasite body on the other tours and on the world rankings and on the majors. But, you know, the money is very powerful. Just this morning, Ryan O'Toole, she's the defending champion yeah. at the Lady Scottish Open. And she was very much supportive of the idea that Liv ought to be involved in women's golf and hope they wouldn't be excused from it. She showed up on the 18th green last year with her wife uh, while accepting that trophy. And these are the people that she's willing to do business with. Mm. So when you have that level of destitution of any kind of moral compass at mm. all, well, then anything's possible right now because the money is driving the argument. Well, today the news developed of PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour Policy Board recalibrating how the FedEx Cup standings and the playoffs will look going forward at least for 2022. All right, folks, still to come on this Tuesday, the PGA Tour is in Detroit to play some golf this week. Yes, the Rocket Mortgage Classic and a good place for players to notch their first PGA Tour wins. We'll tell you who we think could be next right here after the break. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And WinGrips, the best grips in golf. And Bushnell Golf and the Pro XE, experience the best. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba -ba. 
Welcome back to Golf Today. This week, the PGA Tour hits the brakes in the Motor City for the Rocket Mortgage Classic Detroit Golf Club. It's just the fourth plane of the event, but it's already proven to be fertile ground for players earning their first PGA Tour victories. Back in 2019, in the first Rocket Mortgage Classic, Nate Lashley earned his first win on tour, blitzing the field by six shots. That week, Lashley shot a pair of 63s on Thursday and Saturday and cruised to victory with a final round 70. Then last year, it was Australia's Cameron Davis who holed out this shot from a greenside bunker on the 17th hole in regulation for Ego. That got him into a three-man playoff with Joaquin Neiman and Troy Merritt. And after five playoff holes, Davis notched his first PGA Tour victory. So it's time now, Damon, for Take Your Pick. There are a lot of potential candidates here in this field. Mm. Chris Goderop, Maverick McNeely, Michael Thjorbonson coming off a fourth place finish at the Travellers. Cole Hammer, a great amateur, obviously. Those two names in the bottom there. Cameron Young mm. wins Zalatoris. So take your pick, Damon. Who do you see as doing the damage this week? The man whose last name begins with Z, Will Zalatoris, age 25. I have to say he's among the more confident young players that I've ever encountered. Saw him at the Masters Tournament. He walked over to the interview area. He walks like a guy who's got five major championships, trophies on his, on his mantle at home. I love his game. I love his swagger. I know he's still looking for that first PGA Tour win. Has three runner-up finishes this season, including in the U.S. Open, including in a PGA Championship. He has eight top ten finishes. He brings the game the confidence and the swagger of someone who I think will kick down the door very, very shortly. What do you think about Willie Z? Are you with me there? To an extent, yeah. I mean, he gets a bad rap on the putting. He's 120th right. on tour and strokes gain putting right now. Uh, but you don't get to finish as high as he does, as regularly as he does in major championships being a bad putter. Do you remember that PGA Championship, that, that 18th yeah, he was hole? Rock solid. I mean, he had a, about an eight-footer. For par, I mean, he's been criticized about the, the short putts. I mean, this was the moment here. Yeah, this is it. I mean, that, that, that's what it's all about. That's what these players play for. Give me the toughest setups, the most stress, you know, the biggest Sundays in the game. He stepped up, ultimately lost in that playoff to Justin Thomas. But that putt right there, that's the moment, you know, his coach, Josh Gregg, calls it. Those are, those are confidence builders. Those are, those are memory bankers for, for his times on weekends going forward. Oh, I totally agree with that. And he putted so solidly then, and he's putted so solidly in other majors. But you see enough videos of, you know, the, the close-up of the putter head and the direction it yeah. moves. It's, you know, it's like watching a, a drone buzzing a nudist beach. I mean, there's a lot of changes of directions <laughs> in there in that putter head, Damon. But he, he's not a bad putter he wouldn't be where yeah. he is uh, if he was a bad putter so I, th I think he's a good pick this week but I'm going for the guy who's got four runner-up finishes this season in his rookie year okay and one of them just came a couple of weeks ago at, at the old course in the open championship I know where you're which going. is Cameron Young okay I mean he he's just been so solid this year and if, this eagle putt that he made on the 18th hole at the old course to finish solo second I mean that's how champions finish tournaments it's the, the fact that he hasn't won yet, I think, is due to the fact only that he's a rookie. Yeah, and seeing these courses for the first time. Yeah, and he's still dealing with all of the speed bumps and confusion and uncertainty that comes with the first year out on tour in terms of the, just the, the travel, the life on tour, the various obligations that you have to go through. 
out there, but he's done a remarkable job. And even when you look at his statistical performances, there's a lot of room for headroom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For growth in there as well. You know, he's 101st in strokes gained approach. He's outside the top 80 in strokes gained around the greens. He can get a lot better than he is, and he's already pretty good. So he's my pick for the week. I don't think it's an accident that we've picked two players who competed on the same team for Wake Forest. And Cameron Young has talked about it. I mean, he lived with Will Zaltoris for a time on campus. And there's a unique relationship between college athletes, especially college golfers or college tennis players, yeah. because they compete against their other schools in conference, but they also compete against themselves. And it could be a little bit tense sometimes in the team room because, yeah, you want to be one, two, three, four, and five. You want to make sure that you're on the traveling squad. And Will Zalatoris kind of was the guy at Wake Forest. And Cameron Young was one of the, the chasers and, and one of the teammates, yes, but was kind of also trying to chase the, the great Will Zalatoris resume, two-time All-American at Wake Forest. So I don't think it's an accident that we're seeing these two players who were absolute studs in college who did so well at the Corn Ferry Tour finding great success short of victory so far on the PGA Tour. And they're also driving other guys outside of their own colleges as well. I mean we've had guests on the show recently we you know we had Chris Goddard up on here who said he's very much driven by watching the immediate success mm. that other peers from his in college seem to have in the pro ranks and there are a lot of names on that list that we just saw of guys with with tremendous amount of talent who are coming out there to prove something you know Cole Hammer is another one of those guys it makes you feel a yeah. little bit for Maverick McNeely who was that guy mm. a few years ago hasn't quite gotten over the line since but he was the the great hope of, of goes American fast, golf a few it? years ago <laughs> it it's amazing how quickly you get past yeah. in the in the fast lane here I'm have to look at maybe a Cameron Young Will Zaltoris against the field this week in Detroit. And you can watch first round coverage of the Rocket Mortgage Classic right here on Golf Channel. All starts Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Detroit Golf Club. Can't wait to see the action. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Up next on Golf Today, the GOAT of the Monday Qs will join us, Chris Nagel. He just made it into his fourth PGA Tour event this month via the Monday Qualifier. He'll tell us the secret to surviving the Tour's toughest shootout. 
And we'll also hear from an Irish amateur who just accomplished something that only a major champion had managed before. We'll explain as Golf Today continues. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Welcome back into Golf Today. I'm Eamon Lynch next to Damon Hack. And Damon, two weeks left in the regular PGA Tour season, and the rubber is going to meet the road in the Motor City. It really is. I, I love this time of year. I love the game, but I also love the stories of the players that are going to be kind of under a little bit of pressure these next couple of weeks. They might look at it as an opportunity. I imagine the optimists will, but there's a lot of pressure as players want to keep their card, improve their status, make it to Atlanta. I've always been a big fan. It was the 16th year of the FedEx Cup play. Yeah, we usually see the pressure manifest itself at the glamorous end of the leaderboard. We saw that last week uh, mm. with Scott Piercy in particular when it all unraveled on the back nine. But the, the pressure exists in a lot of hidden places down the leaderboard all week long from Thursday morning all the way through Sunday afternoon because how mm. somebody finishes this week and next week at the Wyndham has a big say in, in what their future looks like on tour. I know you'll be watching. I will be watching as well because the PGA Tour is in Detroit, Michigan, the Motor City this week for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. The coverage begins Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern right here on Golf Channel. As Eamon said, the season really getting down to the nitty-gritty at this point. We've got some fantastic players. I call them notables in the field this week. You see the defending FedEx Cup champ, Patrick Cantlay, the UCLA Bruin. You got Cameron Davis defending this crown this week. Nate Lashley got his first PJ Tour win. Ricky Fowler needing to get on the good foot. Former world number one Adam Scott. Tony Finau winner this past week. Will Zalatoris, Max Homa, Jason Devin, Gary Woodland. It's a fantastic field in the Midwest. And speaking of Will Z, I mean, he's just had a terrific year. He was my guy to get it done this week. Eight top ten finishes in 20 starts. Three oh-so-close calls. Two of those coming in major championships, including that loss to JT at the PGA at Southern Hills. You see the T6 at the Masters. You see that T2 at Brookline. T28 at the Open as well. And now it's time to meet the press with Will Zalatoris. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've been really close to getting that first win. Um, been knocking on the door a bunch. Uh, just got to keep doing what we're doing. Um, game's been feeling really good. Uh, you know, I think everything has been really starting to click, um, especially after uh, this week off. We had some really good work at home um, and fully rested coming up for a, a pretty good stretch of, of golf com coming up. So um, looking forward to being a part of my first FedEx Cup playoffs and uh, hopefully making a nice run. All right, we'll take some questions out here. Um, Tony, if you want to start. Hey, well, Tony Paul, Detroit News. Welcome to back to Detroit. Um, this event is so close to the FedEx Cup playoffs. Your spot is obviously very secure. A lot of guys maybe would take the rest. What brought you here? Yeah, I, I mean, for one, I love the golf course. Um, you know, like I said, you know, what Jason and his team have done with this event has been amazing. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, guys will be resting up for the playoffs, like you said, but, you know, every shot matters. I mean, every point matters. And so um, I'm 25 years old. So if you ever hear me talking about being tired, I think I probably need to get my head checked. And um, you've obviously been knocking on the first win for a while. Compared to maybe that first close call to the latest close call, what do you 
what do you tell yourself to keep you positive that you know that day is coming? Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, what have I only played, 53 starts or something like that? Um, you know, the fact that I've been able to contend a lot that in that short period of time, so, I mean, that basically comes out to, you know, two full seasons to this point. Um, you know, I'm obviously very pleased with where I'm at, but um, I've been very close. I mean, I give a lot of money for a couple inches, obviously, but, um, you know, my time's coming. I just got to stay patient and, um, you know, just let the first one get in the way. You know, there's no reason of trying to force the issue because I've been playing some nice golf. And so, you know, eventually I'll be able to put, you know, maybe I'm putting too many tournaments at 63 holes together and not playing the full 72. And eventually, you know, we'll make a full 72 hole tournament. Well, obviously you said you've had some 63 hole events where you feel like you put it together. My understanding is 54 is enough for certain people. Tiger said at St. Andrews that he just doesn't understand how a competitor can go do that. Do you understand it? Or are you confused by why some of the younger guys have, have gone there, a few of them? I mean, everyone, you know, everyone can make their own decisions. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you're seeing a lot of older guys go, which that's their decisions. You know, that's, I've, I've got nothing but respect for the guys that have gone. I mean, that's their choice. It's none of my business whatsoever. The younger guys going, again, it's still their decision whether I agree with it or not is, you know, they don't tell me how to live my life and I don't need to tell them how to live theirs. Um, you know, do I agree with it? Obviously not. I mean, I've been very vocal about being very pro PGA Tour. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I would say is, you know, not even in, in regards to the amount of holes that are played, but I would say that any person on these grounds could have Mondayed in yesterday and won this golf tournament. And over there, it's the same 48 guys playing over and over and over. And, you know, this is, this is a pure meritocracy. And sure, you could argue that there's a meritocracy to being a part of live, but that's their decision for you to play there. They're the ones offering you the money to play there. Here it's earned. And I think that's the biggest difference. And that's something that, um, you know, right now with no world golf ranking points, you know, I think that's why a lot of the top guys don't have a lot of interest is because, you know, we want to be a part of majors. We want to win major championships. And if there's no world golf ranking points, now all of a sudden your sponsorship money goes down on top of that, you know, if you haven't won a major, you're probably not going to be able to get into those majors. And so, you know, if you gave me all the money in the world tomorrow, I'd still be doing the exact same thing. I've been, like I said, I've wanted to win a major my entire life, and I've wanted to play out here. Will Zaltors in Detroit. I, I'm detecting a theme developing here, Eamon, and it's the players who are kind of preaching their, their, their fealty to the tour, saying, you know what, go ahead, take the money at live. You, you can't hang. You know, this is a meritocracy. Here it's earned. You know, Live Golf trying to create competitive tension and create history, but, you know, this is where the best players are. So if you want to chase it, that's your individual decision, but you know what? Here we're, we're taking care of business. You know, we eat what we kill here. You know, there's no handouts here. Are you hearing that as well? To an extent. I mean, I, I do ultimately think that the PGA Tour will have to go down the road of offering some kind of guarantee mm. contracts to the biggest sports because it's the only sport of that stature that doesn't contract its talent. And that's why Liv has been able to exploit that weakness. 
in the PGA Tours business model, which has existed for longer than any of us have been alive. But it was interesting to hear Zalatoris point out the, all of the uncertainties around it, particularly if you're a player who is motivated by winning major championships and, and legacy. There are a lot of uncertainties, and particularly whether you will even be able to compete in those events. And he's, he's echoing the Tiger Woods argument here. It's not so much, to me, the guaranteed money at all. That's, that's just simply almost a sideshow. It's the lack of competitive integrity yeah. that he's pointing out there, which is the exact same thing Tiger pointed out in St. Andrews. It's that they've chosen who the guys are who are going to compete on the Live Tour. And you're not playing against the best in the world week out and, and, and week in. You know, to win the first event, you just had to beat Charles Schwartzel. Well, Charles yeah. Schwartzel has not been competitive on the PGA Tour in quite a number of years. And that's no wrap on Charles Schwartzel. It's just simply the reality of where his game is versus the best players in the world right now. And what we're seeing is the, the same storylines, the same faces all the time, the same money figures thrown around, the same theatrics all around the Live Golf event, but you're not seeing any kind of competitive integrity there at all. And if you're a guy like Will Zalatoris, who is motivated by the idea of competition, improving yourself against the best in the world for something more than money, yeah. it's to his credit that, that money is not his motivating factor, but certainly others can't say the same. Seems a bit competitively flimsy, flabby, not, not the sharpness that we're used to seeing week to week on the PJ Tour, whether it's the music or the 54-hole aspect. And a lot of the players who are staying on the PJ Tour are pointing out not just the length of, of the tournament, but also the shotgun start aspect. You said earlier this year that this summer and the major championship schedule in particular would be colored by this story, and it has been. Is this going to happen next year as well? Is this all roads leading to Augusta National in terms on what the major championships will do going forward? Because we heard Mike Wan and Martin Slummers, and they didn't change any qualifying this year, but next year's a different year. Yeah, and they all drew that distinction that they weren't doing it this year because the criteria had not only been published, they had actually started to act upon it in conducting qualifiers. So I, I don't see this story going away anywhere. If anything, it may actually peak as far as the majors go next year. It's going to drag on for quite a while. And to the idea of, of it being flimsy competition, well, we saw that earlier when we discussed this idea they have now mooted of uh, a relegation system and a promotion system, which it's really not. Can you imagine if any of these guys who are playing to finish in the top 125 over the next two weeks, the guy who finishes 100 and 25th is told, well, you know, actually somebody else who's below you on the list. We can't relegate him because his contract says we have to keep him around. So your performance counts for nothing yeah. and nor does his. You know, yeah. your performance has to matter. Good performance ought to be rewarded and lousy performance has to be punished. That is not part of the fundamental makeup yeah. in Live Golf. In the crux of professional golf at the highest level is putting the score on the card and, and that determines where you are <laughs> in this great game. History was made in Ireland last week by Hugh Foley, who plays out of Royal Dublin. He joined Darren Clark as the only man to complete an impressive double in the same year when he followed his win in the North of Ireland Championship at Royal Port Rush with a victory in the 120th South of Ireland Amateur Championship at Lehinch. Foley said, I'm no Darren Clark, but it's a nice thing to share with him. I've got a long way to go to catch him. We're pleased to be joined now by Hugh Foley, whose celebrations have probably died down a little bit by now. Hugh, you're in some pretty elite company with the record you're compiling there. 
yeah um i'm no darren clark as i said but i have a lot of pints to drink before i reach that but uh yeah it's nice to be mentioned alongside him all right Hugh. so you win the north of ireland at royal port rush and you talked about how quickly confidence can show up because you've been in a bit of a of a dry patch what did you find at royal port rush well, I, I love the golf course. It's one of my favorite golf courses. Um, I just found low expectations and then uh, got my game together. I started hitting fades. Uh, fades generally works around there. And um, I don't know, I put the head down for, for the whole week and, and ended up on top. Now, Rodport Rush is a famously difficult golf course, you, particularly for the likes of us more so than you. But Le Hinch is also famous in the South of Ireland Championship for having some foul weather on occasions. And there was a bit of a typhoon blowing during the semi-final match that you played that morning. How do you, does that keep your grit kind of working for you? Or do you have to reach deep to fight your way through weather like that on those courses? Yeah, it was brutal. I had a great caddy, a uh, friend of mine, Marcus, and uh, he was just keeping everything dry. We had two rain covers on the top of the bag. Uh, trying to keep everything dry, towels. He was having nosebleeds. It was uh, it was a calamity. Um, but yeah, we got through it. It's uh, yeah, you nearly give up a few times. And you, you keep going. So I'm um, glad I did. So you have all this accomplishment. And folks want to start throwing money at you. What are your pro plans? Because I, I've read where you really are enjoying the camaraderie and the stories uh, involved in the amateur game. Yeah, uh, well, I definitely have ambitions to turn professional. I'm looking at the end of next year, playing another 12 or 13 months. Uh, the Walker Cup uh, is in September in St. Andrews. Uh, that'll be a nice uh, way to finish off an amateur career and then take the plunge. Hugh, we see a lot of people these days, they kind of are in a sprint to get into the paid ranks. But when you look at some of the great Irish players, you know, Podrick turned pro when he was 25. Paul McGinley turned pro at the same age. And you're at that age now. Do you feel any kind of hurry at all? Or are you being pressured by any of your peers who wonder why you're still playing in the unpaid ranks? Yeah, you get that. You get some guys saying it's time to turn professional. But uh, talking to the guys, I've been lucky enough to meet Harrington and uh, Larry and these guys and what they ticked off as amateurs. I mean, Harrington played three Walker Cups. <laughs> so, you know, I think you need to prove yourself as an amateur before you can start taking on professionals and earning money. So um, I don't see it as a rush. I see it as building experience. And it's a... Uh, hopefully inevitable in the end, um, which way I'm going. You know, there are Americans watching this show in Ohio and Virginia, out west in California, and they think about Port Rush, County Down, Bally Bunyan, La Hinch. These are bucket list courses for them. What are some places you'd like to play over here in the States? Um, I would say Pine Valley, Cypress Point. <laughs> uh, I won't aim too high, you know. I won't. Uh... <laughs> Be nice to play some of those courses, yeah. I've played Pebble Beach, so I was lucky enough to do that. But, yeah, Cypress Point would be a good one. Well, if you knock on the door carrying that hardware that's sitting behind you right now, Hugh, you'd probably get some access. When you looked at those trophies that you picked up over the last couple of weeks and you look at some of the names on it going back into the mists of time, what are some of the names that kind of stuck out to you that you're now among their number? Um, yeah, as you said, Darren Clark's a big one. Harrington... Um, there's no Rory McIlroy on these ones, but uh, he's on another one I've won. So, um, yeah, seeing those guys is, um, you know, as I said, I'm no Darren Clark, but um, there's plenty of time yet. You mentioned the professional ranks and at the end of next year and trying to join uh, the paid 
aspect of this game. I'm curious when you see the likes of Podrick Harrington and the success he's had and you see what Shane Lowry and Rory has done, do you feel like you've had the upbringing to be successful and to be a truly global player? I guess so. I've traveled a lot. Yeah, my dad was uh, was brilliant. He was into golf. Um, he uh, unfortunately he passed away last year, but uh, he's left me in, in a in a great place. And he's I've met some great people in the game of golf that uh, I've played all over the world. I'm used to traveling. I love it. And um, yeah, I love the whole the whole idea of it. So I'd uh, be looking forward to that. We hear a lot of conversation this game these days, Hugh, about whether people are motivated to play for for legacy, for, for the very nature of competition, for money. The fact that you are still an amateur at, at your age would suggest that legacy and competition means more to you than any kind of immediate financial return. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we're all seeing it now in the in the modern game uh, with the new tours. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, I can see why people take, make different decisions. Um, mine would be to put my name on trophies like that. I think there's nothing better. And, and the fact that it's gone for 120 years, the South of Ireland is, and uh, I hope it goes for another 120 years so that my name's on that trophy in, in that time. Uh, that's what it's about to me, not, um, not just making a check. Hugh, before this interview began, you mentioned the name Matt Janella, longtime friend of the channel, a global player uh, himself. How did you come across the likes of Matt Janella in your travels? I met Matt first playing a father and son, world father and son uh, car golf run this event in Waterville Golf Club, and uh, he was over covering it. Uh, met him and John Ashworth, great guys, and um, kind of kept in touch ever since. Uh, he started doing this um, grind uh, podcast, and I'm part of that. Uh, so we've uh, done a couple of shoots this year, and uh, been pretty good timing too. Well, the grind has been good. That's a relief fall. because you ask somebody where they met Janella, the range of options that it could, could have come been, out of it that could have gone any direction, huh? It really could get very dark in a hurry. So that's a pretty clean version of it. He's paying me to keep it light, yeah. Uh, I bet he is. Uh, he's got some big tentacles in this game. Hugh, congrats on your uh, accomplishments, and I imagine this won't be the last time we speak to you. Best of luck going forward, pal. Thanks very much, guys. It's a pleasure. All right, Hugh Foley, winner of the North and the South of Ireland and on the topic of amateur golf lots on the line over at Bandon Dunes for Matt Janella Hunt out west second round of the U.S. Junior Amateur is underway 264 players are in the field looking to mark their place in history you see the coverage times Friday Saturday 6 p.m. and lots of cool things the winner receives maybe most notably an exemption into the 2023 U.S. Open at LACC, that's Los Angeles Country Club. The winner will also be exempt into the next two U.S. amateurs. So lots on the line. And as mentioned, a lot of big names who have won this event before. Tiger Woods won this event three times in a row from 91 to 93. Another friend of the program, Charlie Reimer. Another friend of the program, David Duvall. I mean, this list, Eamon, this is like, this is chalk, Tiger, Speed. Scheffler, Zalatoris. Yeah, there are no mugs on that list. If you win the junior amateur, you've got a career ahead of you. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great national champions. Before the trophy is raised, history has already been made. 12-year-old Pearson Hike became the youngest player to qualify and play in the U.S. junior amateur, standing already at 5'7". Bombs drives between 260 and 270 
yards or Brentley Romine with the uh, camera work. Is it wrong to be jealous of a 12-year-old, Eamon? I'm right there with you. Jelly department. Man, look at that view. You can watch it right here on Golf Channel. Friday and Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our coverage of the U.S. Junior Amateur from Bandon Dunes Golf Resort out in Oregon. After the break, this man, the true definition of Monday warrior, Chris Nagel, punched his ticket into the Rocket Mortgage. You'll find out how next. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Big news of the day with two weeks left to the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour Policy Board have approved the creation of a secondary points list, which will remove from the FedEx Cup standings all suspended players. In other words, live players who have not resigned their tour memberships. The commissioner says the eligibility points list will ensure that suspended members do not negatively impact other players tournament eligibility positioning on the priority rankings or eligibility to compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Here's an overview of these changes players who have participated in live golf events will not be eligible to compete in this year's FedEx Cup playoffs and will not be included in the new eligibility points list. Those suspended players will also not be eligible for this year's President's Cup and the suspended players will still be awarded bonus money based on their final position on the official FedEx Cup points list. Here's some reaction from players at the Rocket Mortgage. I think it's some good news to wake up to knowing that I'm moving up a few more spots in the FedEx but I mean at the end of the day I don't want to really finish 125 on that list. I'd like to you know, finish 125 or higher on the uh, the normal FedEx list. I don't want, uh, you know, some other guys going to play a different tour to really affect me that much. So um, I'd like to just take care of it myself, but it is some good news. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to wake up to. I guess independent of your current situation, because with the shift, you, you're considered one of the, the bubble guys. Do you think it was the right move by the PGA Tour to create this secondary points list? I think they had to, yeah. I think everyone was kind of asking the questions and, wondering who was coming off, when they were coming off, and whatnot. So I think it was the right move. And uh, yeah, hopefully after this week, I'm not a bubble boy anymore. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I just think a lot of guys, um, there's been a lot of confusion with obviously, I think there was seven guys that resigned the membership that came straight out of the FedEx Cup standings. Um, and then there was a lot of questions based on the other guys, what, what was going to happen with them. But the tour and the, 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 the player board have, have made the choice to obviously um, allow um, extra spots in the FedEx Cup, like a new points list, which is, I think it's I think it's the right decision. And why do you think it's the right decision? Well, I mean, them guys have decided that they want to play a different tour, which that's fine for me. I mean, if you want to go elsewhere, then that's great, but you can't have the best of both worlds. You know, I think, I think we've, I think everybody kind of knew this was coming. Um, it's nice to see the points list. Um, you know, I still got some work to do. I think with the points list that moves me to 122. So, you know, if the season were to end today, I'd be in good shape. But uh, there's still a couple tournaments left, so I gotta keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I've been, ha I've had, I have some momentum, so which is great. And I love this place. I love this golf course and and this tournament. They they do such a great job here, and uh, obviously got a great field this week. So, I'm looking forward to it. Was this a proper decision by the PGA Tour? Uh, sure. Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, this is this is what Jay and, and the Torah said from from kind of day one. Um, 
So, uh, you know, kudos to him for, for sticking to it. And obviously it rewards somebody like me who's, um, you know, I'm, I'm still on the PGA Tour and, um, you know, it's, it's given me even more of a chance to, to keep my card um, just because I played so poorly to the first 20 tournaments of the year. Um, you know, I'm, I've put myself in a position to, to, to really, you know, finish off the season strong. The PGA Tour is back in Detroit, Michigan this week for the Rocket Mortgage Classic. First round coverage comes your way Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Golf Channel. And heading into the Rocket Mortgage Classic, we wanted to take a time to raise a glass to the four Monday Warriors who earned their spot in this week's field via Monday qualifying. And here they are, Luke Guthrie making his 106th start on tour, KK Limbasut also out there, teammate of Colin Morikawa at Cal, Eric Flores, who was part of the UCLA national team, Damon, was. back in 2008. And the name at the bottom there, Chris Nagel. He's worth a deeper dive. This is his fourth Monday qualifying this month, where he's made it into a PGA Tour event. He also qualified for the US Open, where he finished T56 earlier this year at the Country Club. That was his first PGA Tour start in four years. But there are the four Monday qualifiers he's made in. John Deere Classic, Barracuda Championship, the 3M Open, and now the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So we're pleased to be joined by the GOAT of the Monday Hughes, Chris Nagel. So Chris, four successful qualifiers this month. You don't really do the Monday blues, do you? It seems to be your primo day of the week. Yeah, um, I've gotten a lot of texts about being the most productive person on a Monday. So um, yeah, Monday's okay for me. All right, Chris, so no one really owns this game. We're all renters. I mean, even the best and top-level players like yourself. But what has been working so well for you during this run in particular? Uh, I've been chipping and putting well. Um, giving myself chances, uh, getting around par fives and two and getting up and down for birdies or an occasional eagle and uh, being able to hoop some putts. Chris, you currently have 52 non-member FedEx Cup points and to get into the Corn Ferry Tour finals you need to have the same number of points as number 200 on the FedEx Cup list which is currently Jimmy Walker with 83 points. Is that on your mind at all when you get inside the ropes at a tournament as to try to capitalize on the starts that you're getting in that way? Uh, for sure. Um, I'm a player that definitely wants to know what's going on so that is definitely um, out there. Um, I do a pretty good job putting it behind me once I get on the golf course. But, you know, heading into this week, I know that if I can do what I want to do, if I play well, um, that is within reach. You know, Chris, from the outside, anyway, there's like romance to the journeyman life, the love of the game, hustling from town to town, almost like a barnstorming tour. <clears throat> but I don't want to overstate it. What has it been like for you chasing the dream? Uh, it's been great. It's been fun. Um, Obviously, this is what I want to do, so uh, I don't do anything else. Uh, golf is the game I want to play for the rest of my life, and, you know, here we are. We're still, uh, still hitting it around, chasing my ball, um, trying to make birdies. Now, Monday's the, often the hungriest day of the week in, in professional golf, as you know, Chris, but there's a lot of guys out there chasing the dream. You've had a remarkable level of success in the last month. Does that exhaust you in a way before you even get to the main event later in the week? Or how much does it take out of you? Uh, for sure. Um, yeah, having to tee it up 
uh, with a scorecard in your back pocket on Monday while everybody else is, you know, prepping for the week. Um, it's It takes a little bit out of you mentally. Uh, physically, I'm okay. I think I saw it last week uh, more than any other week. I was a little tired um, come Thursday, Friday. Didn't play the way I would have liked to. Um, went home for a few days. Didn't really do anything golf-wise and uh, flew up here on Sunday afternoon and uh, got after it again uh, yesterday and just played a few holes. Uh, so feel feel like I'm refreshed, ready to go. Got a, a little better uh, mental state. So looking forward to the week. 39 years of age. I read that you know in the past life you considered being a stock broker, maybe doing something else. How close have you come to saying, you know what, I'm kind of tired of this life and maybe pursue a different line of work? Uh, yeah, it's definitely thought about it over the years. Um, but then again, I go back to, you know, that's not something, that's not the, the thing I want to do. So um, haven't gone down that path. Uh, maybe, you know, when I'm a little bit older, I might pursue something like that. But right now we're, we're playing golf. Chris, we just saw you finish tied 16th at the John Deere Classic. That was your first top 20 finish on the PGA Tour. Does a result like that coming through Monday qualifying give you the belief that you have the game to compete out there at this level consistently? Sure. Um, yeah, playing good there was a, a lot of fun. Um, had a blast. Uh, I was in contention pretty much all day Saturday and, you know, on the front nine on uh, Sunday and they kind of fell off a little bit. But, yeah, putting yourself there, um, showing yourself that you can do it, uh, definitely makes you, makes me a little more hungry to get, you know, try to get back into that situation. No one wants to make this journey alone, whether it's a family member, a team member, coach, mentor. Who are you leaning on the most during this journey in golf for you? Uh, my family. I got an awesome family back in St. Louis. Um, they've been supportive. They've never... Uh, you know, suggested walking away from the game or, you know, doing something different. They've always encouraged me. And, you know, a handful of friends, close friends that have always, uh, you know, been supportive, um, have never, you know, gone down a negative road with me. They're always positive. Um, so those are the people I lean on. Um, Tight-knit group back home. So um, I love them. They're the best and uh, kind of, you know, helps me uh, try to play for them as well as myself. Chris, you're accomplishing something that isn't really common among Monday qualifiers in that you're becoming a familiar face out there on tour. Are you finding other players who are regulars on the PGA Tour just taking a double take of you at the range and going, wait, you're here again? Are you becoming more familiar to them at this point? <laughs> yeah, uh, there's quite a few of them I played with uh, on the Corn Ferry over the years, so it's, it's great to see them. Um, saw Chesson Hadley in the clubhouse today, and he was you know, kind of giving me a little static and, you know, kind of root me on. So, um, yeah, it's great. I played nine holes with Nate Lashley, uh, former champion here. So it's good to see my friends. Um, and I, to be honest, I'm probably a little bit more comfortable playing out here than Corn Ferry Tour. I don't know those guys out there on the Corn Ferry Tour. They're all young, uh, you know, <laughs> just graduated college. Dude, now the rumor is you had to hustle over to this, to this interview that you were, like, in the middle of your practice route. If that's true, I apologize, but but clear up the story for us. Did you have to like sprint over here? No, nah, I didn't have to sprint. Just okay. just walk. Okay, just walk. Just walk. Good deal. <laughs> well, no, nah, I was uh, I was on 18, so uh, we're all good.
Good deal. Well, if they're busting your chops out there, it means they like you, Chris. Uh, keep up the great work and uh, have a great week in Detroit, one of the great cities of America. And we'll speak to you soon, pal. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it.